0: Hello, and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive of Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. Today's podcast focuses on an important way we can measure mental health status, mental health checkups. Joining me for this discussion are three members of Work To Be Well's National Student Advisory Council, and they're going to introduce themselves in just a minute here. But first, I got to give you that general reminder that says, The information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. I am so excited to get started today. I'd like each of you to introduce yourself, where you're from, and what about this topic speaks to you. Who wants to kick us off?
1: I can go first. My name is Lily Proctor and I'm from Iowa. And i think that mental health screening is super important especially for teenagers because it's a really big factor of who you are and how you experience the world compared to other people
2: uh i can go next i'm rick i'm from new york and um i guess similarly i think mental health screening is really important um because um it's like similar to physical health right just as you would get um, a checkup for your physical health i think mental health is like something you would need to get um, it for as well and especially in environments where there's like a lot of stigma and people won't really reach out for help a checkup could be really important in like determining any signs of a possible diagnosis.
3: Okay hi everyone um, my name is Revely I'm from Southern California and I think that mental health screenings are really important because people are often afraid of things that they don't know about and it's Like, especially for teenagers, I know it would be really beneficial for me also, if I just knew what was going on, you know, like I want that answer.
0: You know, it's interesting when you say, you know, you want that answer. I know when I go to my primary care doc, I, they often have the assessment screener with the four or five questions about depression or anxiety or things like that. When you're thinking about mental health screenings and checkups and things like that, Other places I've seen them happen are are at school. I don't know if you've had the experience where they do different types of checkups at school, but what are you talking about when you're talking about a mental health screen?
1: So for me personally, I feel like a mental health screening is someone that, or it's a location where you can go to someone who has specialized or has an in-depth knowledge about mental health and not, for me personally, I feel like my primary doctor probably doesn't have the best information and uh, knowledge to help me through these. So I think going to a psychiatrist or somewhere that provides therapy or mental health, support for mental health, and especially for a place that can make teens or younger people feel more comfortable.
0: Would you do it in school? I mean, would you be comfortable with the mental health screening? like? Like as part of your health class, like what they do with, um, oh, back in the day, they used to do scoliosis screenings or hearing checks or things like that. Is that a place you'd be comfortable?
1: I feel if that they could separate people so they could be uh, one-on-one with a physician, I feel like that would be separate and a place that people would feel safe. But especially with social pressure and especially in like high schools, probably not.
3: I agree to a certain extent of that. I think that going one-on-one with somebody is the best way to get a student, especially to open up. But at the same time, if it's one-on-one systematically at school, so you pull one person after the other, like alphabetically, you know, it makes it feel very impersonal. And you don't know if the help that you're getting is right for you, because it's just like checking yourself off in a box so I think that when you're getting the support it needs to be tailored to the things that you need by people who understand you
2: yeah and uh building off that I think that for me like for the school that I go to we do have sort of like universal mental health screening I think that a lot of schools don't do it because either the parents are uncomfortable or the students are uncomfortable and so I know some schools they do like optional surveys and so usually What my school does is like they send out these questionnaires every so often from like different mental health screening tools and organizations, but essentially students can choose whether or not they would like to fill it out. And then if there are possible signs, like a mental health condition, then they would like have to, you know, talk to a counselor or someone would reach out to them after the survey.
0: So so say a little bit more about these screenings you have in your school. What kind of questions do they ask?
2: They ask like, An example would be in the past like week or month, how many times have you felt like stressed or feeling down and stuff like that?
0: You know, it's interesting. A lot of screening tools these days come on the most ubiquitous device we all own, our our little phones here. And uh, mental health screening can come in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of apps that get pushed out. I see a lot of apps all the time that get pushed out that have mental health screenings attached to them. And then, depending on how you answer, there's AI generated solutioning. So, it may be AI support that gives you some tips and tricks around stress levels, around depression, around things like that. What do you think about using your phone, maybe supported by AI, maybe not,
2: as a tool for mental health screening? I think it could be a little bit impersonal. Like, you're kind of just like pulling out your phone, answering a couple of questions, and then, like, they're kind of like a bot telling you what to do. It just feels. Like it lacks some sort of human element to it that's like at the very core of like like therapy, I guess, in general.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree. I also think that especially with like social media, I feel like a lot of people go searching for something to be explained by a mental health condition. And sometimes it's not. And then these apps are mental health screenings via the internet are not the most accurate sometimes. So that causes some issues there.
3: Yeah, I think that people, when they take surveys like that, or if they feel that they might have something or need an explanation as to why they're feeling a way, they'll often resort to online resources. But a lot of those resources are not clinically vetted or are just like fun, like personality tests. Like, ooh, like what's your favorite color? Oh. It's blue, you have depression. Like they're not very reliable in these ways, but I think a lot of people might take them to be serious when really they should be getting the help that they need from an actual like specialist.
0: See, that's always been my worry with these things. Cause, and like I say, I've seen a lot of them. And while they have some great support tools in there in terms of being able to diagnose and say, this is what I think is going on with you. They're not really that great. And then the other problem that happens is what happens if you really need help? What happens if, if you trigger something in there that says, Hey, I'm really concerned about you. How far is AI going to take you in being able to actually get help? And what are some of the warning signs? You know, I know what I look for when I'm looking at somebody's mental health screening. I know what I look for. What do you think are some of the things that that you would think are are things that would be a concern?
2: Probably like, I don't know, drastic changes in like your mood and like withdrawal from spending time with friends, family, a traumatic experience, perhaps.
0: Drastic change in behavior and normal activities. Amen. That is a very serious indicator. What what else do you think of?
1: I think that another thing that probably should be really looked out for is when People are, they're not in a great place. And then all of a sudden it drops to a new low very drastically, like kind of like what Rick was saying, but it's not necessarily someone that's bright and cheery all the time to sad, but even someone who's not doing the best to really not doing well.
0: You know, another indicator that we look for, that's probably the biggest indicator of suicidality is whether or not somebody has a sense of hope if they can see a future for tomorrow, see they can see past tomorrow. And I think we underestimate the power of hope in our lives. It's a hard question to ask because it feels kind of a little fluffy, but hope is really one of those biggest indicators that we look for and whether or not somebody can see a future. You know, one of the things that also happens with these screenings and checkups is that often, Rick, you were talking about at school, Parents can decline, student can decline, things like that. But what is the what is that right age for when a parent should actually be notified? I know in Oregon, I live in Oregon, our age of consent is 14. So a youth can take a mental health screening at the age of 14 and not have that go to their parent. And as somebody who is a parent, I have mixed feelings about that because I, I think that parents or people who are close to somebody who have the ability to intervene and help out, should be able to help out what do you think about your parents knowing about what comes up on your mental health screening? I also have
1: mixed feelings because I feel that in order for kids to possibly get medicine or therapy that they really might need, their parents are the ones that are going to drive them to their appointments and pay for the medicine. But also if a family is not necessarily the most concerned about how mental health might play in their kid or their own lives that they might shut it down and completely close it off. So I think that 14 is probably a pretty good age, but I don't know. I have mixed feelings as well.
3: Yeah, I think this question is super subjective to the circumstances surrounding the child's life, their home life, and the issues that they're dealing with. Because, yeah, as Lily said, for a child who feels less supported, typically, by their family, it would be a lot harder for them to reach out and ask for the support that they needed if they knew that their parents were going to be involved. Whereas if they knew that they could keep it confidential, they might be more willing to because their unsupportive parents would not be knowing of what's going on. But at the same time... For parents that are supportive and willing to know about these things, it would be really difficult for them if their child like, didn't feel safe enough to talk to them and their parents would be completely unaware of what was going on or what they needed to do to be supportive. So I think that this question is really interesting in that you can't pick one specific age. Do, do you think culture plays a role? All the time. I think so many different cultures have so many different stigmas or lack of stigma towards mental health. Personally, just in my own culture, like mental health is not something that you talk about very often. And there have been instances in my own family where somebody has done something very concerning to their own health, but it was completely overshadowed and nobody talked about it and they didn't get the support they needed. And... Yeah, so just to clarify, I am um, Indian, so South Asian, and yeah, mental health has never been something that we ever discuss, pretty much. You're okay, and you're working, and that's it. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, just to bounce off of that, I agree. Um, I think from my culture, which is, I guess, East Asian culture, um, there's a lot of the similar stigmas, and so I feel like A lot of like east asians if they had to report their mental health screenings for example in school and like those results to their parents uh, then they would probably feel less inclined to take the questionnaire because they don't want their parents to find out if something bad comes up
0: no that's a really good point the pressure that you get from your parents i think regardless uh, cultural factors play into that pressure that you get from your parents a huge but it's also that piece of, of what you've been talking about in terms of how your family style is and how your family sees this. You know, when I look at how we can use screens like this to help, what do you think are the positive benefits? I mean, are there positive benefits to doing mental health screenings in schools?
1: I would definitely say that there are so many positive possibilities for these screenings especially if they're like certified and not just a random one pulled from the internet because even if you don't necessarily like maybe you're just going through a stressful time and uh you don't actually have like an anxiety disorder per se knowing that you have an unhealthy level of stress during that period of time that's something that you can then address so i think that these mental health screenings just are really good at putting things on your radar so that you can then make yourself healthier mentally, which then affects everything else in your life.
0: So, so let's say that you've taken a screening and it's come up with concerns about anxiety, right? How are you going to have that conversation with your parents? Are you going to want somebody else with, you know, somebody else with you? What are you going to want to do when Here's the counselor sitting in front of you saying, you know, I'm worried about you. Revely, I'm worried about you. I I see some signs of of anxiety and I'm concerned about your stress level. How are you going to talk? What are you going to do with that information? What's your next step?
3: I feel like it depends a lot, again, on how your parents would, how you think your parents would take that information. So if I answer this question from my own personal standpoint, I think personally, I don't know if I would initially tell my parents because I think I'm in psychology. So I think my psych teacher told me that I'm at the age where I don't need to tell my parents what's going on um, between me and like my therapist or my psychiatrist. And so I think that maybe gradually over time, I would feel comfortable enough to tell them. But for my own peace of mind, I think that it would be something that I needed to take care of within myself first before getting other people involved.
0: Lily, how about you? What would you do?
3: Um. Well, I actually can speak from this
1: from a real life perspective. So I used to play volleyball and I had extreme performance anxiety along with lots of anxiety throughout my life in general. And it got to the point where it was, you know, affecting my everyday life. And it got to the point where I told my mom, because nothing I could do, no extra sleep trying to write it out in a journal, trying to make lists or write it all down to try to figure out what to do, no matter how many things I looked up on the internet, nothing was helping. So I went to my mom and she took me to a regular physician who gave me a mental health questionnaire and I was like one point off from having an anxiety disorder. and. She didn't really know what else to say other than she was like "Mm, i don't think you really have anxiety so i personally did not accept that answer so i went to a psychiatrist who told me i had an anxiety disorder and i went to therapy and got on medicine which helped a lot so i was also younger at the time which i think made it a little bit easier i think if it was later on I probably would have waited a little bit longer than I had, but I think I would have eventually told my parents.
0: Wow. That's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Rick, how about you? What would you do? At least like right now, when my parents are expecting me to be like fully grinding work every single day and like, you know, (laughs) staying consistent with my entire schedule and like extracurriculars and academics and whatnot, I think if something came up, after I took like a mental health screening and it was like something minor that I probably wouldn't share with my parents immediately. But if it was something like super severe that like needed immediate t- attention, then like possibly, yeah.
0: You know, it does bring up this whole topic of stigma and the fact that that stigma exists not only because of of age, it exists because of culture, it exists because all the different things in our society. I mean, you co- you all have talked about all the different pieces of stigma with this. If you're in charge of that campaign at your school to get your your classmates to take a mental health screening, how are you gonna help destigmatize the mental health screening?
3: I think people have stigma for a lot of different reasons. So I think by going to one general approach to deal with your entire school would be quite difficult and make it ineffective, essentially. If you were giving out like one reason or like a few reasons as to why mental health matters and you needed to not have stigma around it. I think to destigmatize is something that is such a general concept and you really need to specify based on what people need to hear about it. So I think the first step to destigmatize would be to hear everybody out and hear their stories and their experiences in mental health and if they've had some if they haven't and I think from there it would be best to talk to people and like talk to people one-on-one or connect or in some form of like smaller groups and smaller issues than rather targeting stigma as one whole general thing
1: yeah that it makes a very good point at my school through our mental health awareness group our whole idea or process is through making mental health like something casual that you are just able to talk about so or get the resources you need very easily. So we have taken up, we do like bingo and each of the bingo squares is a different resource that you might need. And you get a cookie at the end of the day, and whether you win or not, you get a cookie. And also, we updated our school's, like, counselor mental health page, like, mental health resources page, because it had not been updated since, like, 2012 when the website was made. So, our whole idea is uh, accessibility and just trying to make it more of a casual conversation.
2: Yeah, I agree. And in addition to that, I think one thing that could be used to kind of, I don't know, like attempt at destigmatization would probably be like community psychoeducation. So not only educating the students, but also the adults and the people working with the students, whether it be like your teachers, school administration, or just people in your community generally, because once everyone knows about the issues and potential solutions better, then it's easier to address the root cause.
0: Well, it's interesting that, that one of the biggest ways that we can work to destigmatize goes back a little bit, Lily, to something that you said around having a club where you basically talk about it and normalize it. When we tell our own stories and our own experiences and share about, you know, what's my why? Why did I do this? Why did I take this? Why was this important to me to find this information out? When we share our why with our peers, regardless of our age, that helps. Because then it, it it's it's kind of like you're saying, I'm doing this too. You're not alone. You're not different. I'm doing this with you. And this is part of being a normal, healthy person. This is part of being how we take care of ourselves. I mean, we get screenings for We do physical therapy, you know, some of you are athletes, and uh, I'm sure you've done your fair share of physical therapy after an injury. Mental health therapy is kind of the same way. And when I think about mental health checkups, one of the other problems that we have is that sometimes people feel they can't be truthful in a mental health screening. And it's really important to be truthful. And how do you talk to somebody who who maybe is holding back and, and not feeling that they can be perfectly honest?
3: I think the best way to have somebody else open up is if you yourself are willing to open up. Personally, I think that in terms of getting somebody to be truthful in a mental health survey would be quite difficult because a survey in itself is quite an impersonal form of getting somebody to admit how they're feeling. Whereas when you are talking with somebody, let's say if you're talking with a friend and you're both sharing, then it's a lot easier to have to be talking about these issues because it's more of a conversation and you know that somebody else relates to you and you know that you're not alone. Whereas with a survey, you are answering something to a monitor and a screen and you don't know who's gonna read it and you don't know what's gonna happen with it. And personally, when I answer it, I'm like, why am I answering this? Because I don't know who's looking and I don't think anybody else cares. Who's on the other end? I don't know if the people who are reading it actually care about me. You know, I'm a name to them. That's so true.
0: You know, our friends at at Mental Health America have tried to help out in areas where not everybody's school has screenings. And, you know, to your point, you don't know who's reading that. You don't know who cares. And I know we talked a little bit about not wanting to have like the the uh, AI generated bots. But our friends at Mental Health America have put some resources on their website with just some general mental health screenings that individuals can go to if they're curious for themselves, if they're curious for their own knowledge and information of whether or not they should go seek help. How do you feel about about tools like that, where it's you're the one who's driving, you're the one who's seeing it, and you're the one who's controlling the information?
1: I think that they can be really helpful and like I was saying earlier like being able to know like where you sit on whether you have anxiety whether you're in a stressed period I think it can be really helpful. I think that kind of going back to what you're saying earlier I think the reason that some people might not be the most honest on them is because especially in social media they have really like talked about how groovy sock vacation and stuff like that and they've talked about like the pros of it all the way down to like how horrendous it can be and i think that people in the middle where they get the help that they need but they don't have like an extreme something happen to them i think just they don't get heard because they don't speak out on it and i think that either way like Filling out the mental health questionnaires or whatnot can be so helpful and beneficial to just knowing yourself, which can help you be the best person you can be.
0: You know, I wanna take a minute here as we're wrapping up to, to give you all a chance to take the mic and say what it is that you would say to somebody who's thinking about getting mental health screening. What advice do you have for them? What, what words of wisdom do you have uh, as we begin to wrap up?
2: I would probably say like, if you're not feeling like yourself fully, like not even just a little bit, then go for it. Because you never know, there's always like potential to gain something out of it, I think.
3: I would likely tell somebody that regardless of how you score on your survey, you know yourself the best. And this is actually something that I thought of when Lily was telling her story. I just found it so interesting how you were one point away from having a diagnosis. You know, having a number associated to something so subjective and personal to you. But at the end of the day, like, you were brave enough and strong enough to say that, no, I know what's going on with me and you went to somebody else. And I think that that is really beautiful. And I think that if I were to give advice to somebody, I would say, you know, like, it's up to you how you feel and how you want to take this action. So if you feel like you need somebody else to give a second opinion, like, go get that second opinion if you're not happy with your results.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that.
3: If I were to give advice to anyone, especially
1: as you were saying i just i think that you are your biggest advocate and i think that especially like as you pick the people you're around and who you surround yourself that include that inc- that includes the therapist that you may pick out and who you go get screened by i think that everyone that you surround yourself with will help you on your journey and Even if you don't get the answer you necessarily were looking for and you're just going through a rough time and you don't have necessarily a mental illness, I think that therapy is beneficial to everyone and that, again, you are just your biggest advocate and just really taking care of your mental health as you would take care of any other part
0: of you. I want to thank you all for joining me and for discussing this intriguing topic of mental health screenings. If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit us at Providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at WorkToBeWell.org. That's work the number two numberumber2bewell.org. We are going to post on our website the screening resources from our friends at Mental Health America. I want to thank you all for listening today. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this has been Talk To Be Well. Be well, everybody.